Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Page Publishing Book Club. How you doing? I'm Alice Stockton-Rossini. A book from Scandinavia landed in Ralph Dramstad's lap and turned out to be a story about his uncle, who became a Nazi to save his homeland. He translated it into English and has now published A World in Flames by Knut Flovik Torrensen. Oh, A World in Flames was sent, was sent to me. It was a book uh, published in Norway, and in Norwegian. And it was sent to me because it's about my uncle. And I I couldn't read it. I can't read Norwegian. I speak very little of it. So I translated it. And once I translated it, I said, well, this is a great story. It's a story that did well in Scandinavia. And I thought it might do just as well here in America, in English. And so tell me about him. Bjarne was a, just a sweet man. When he, but he decided early on in World War II, he decided to join the Nazi forces. Only one of eight brothers to do that. The others were resistance fighters or Ameri- American army men or Canadian fighters. It, it, he joined Hitler's Norwegian Legion, and they encircled Leningrad, with Hitler's orders to destroy the city. Actually, the Norwegian Legion kept Russia from invading and taking over Scandinavia, which was their intent. Of course, that was Hitler's intent, too. If he won the war, he was going to take it over. And now, with us in the midst of this terrible stuff going on in the Ukraine, with Russia invading there, it's interesting that they kept the Russians out of Norway, too. After the war, he served five years in prison for treason. And when he finally got out a few years later, the king pardoned all of them in the Norwegian Legion because he realized that they did the right thing. They saved Norway from becoming taken over by the Russians. They protected Scandinavia from being taken over by Russia. I mean, Finland, Sweden, and Norway. So is he able to live with himself? I mean, is he able to accept his choices? He, uh, he had a trouble with that somewhat because they, in, the, in the siege around Leningrad, which lasted a year, a lot of people died of, of the fighting going on and, and the ammunition going, being shot back and forth. But he also felt terrible because a lot of the people in Leningrad died of starvation because they wouldn't allow anything in to the city. So he he always felt bad about that. But my uncle also contributed a a, a tree to be planted in the Negev desert in honor of the Jewish people who had died. So he he was a good he was a good Christian man. It was hard to believe that that sweet kind man was. A Nazi. And in fact, my father, who fought from uh, Omaha Beach on up as an army so- soldier, 
said to him after a few years when they got together, he said, Bjarne, if I had been with you when you signed up for the Legion, I would have joined with you. You did the right thing. Did he know exactly what he was doing? He was talked into it by there were a couple of men who from the Norwegian government went over and talked with Hitler and then came back and talked people into it that it would be good for the men to join Hitler's forces. Because when he joined, he thought it was strictly to protect his homeland, which he basically did. Now, the book did very well in Scandinavia, and I thought, once I get it and I interpreted it, I said, well, this book I feel like would do well well in, in, in English in America. And I've given some out. In fact, I sent three, three copies of it back to Canute, and who now lives in southern Spain. So he lives in a Norwegian compound down there in southern Spain. He took him into his home. He was so kind to Uncle Bjorn. Bjorn was 90 years old or so. Took him in. He was a lonely widower with a reputation as an ex-Nazi. Now, that wasn't a great way to live. But he took him into his home for a year when they worked the book out. What a story, Ralph. Thank you. Chris P. Younts is a social worker in Vermont. His book began as his thesis for his interdisciplinary BA degree. It's entitled Cognitive Liberty and Interpersonal Voyage of Consciousness Evolution. From an autism spectrum disorder standpoint, and just drawing the connection with modern culture, there's tons of examples of like us experiencing our lives essentially from within our own heads and what we think is right. You look at how businesses are structured um, and how we kind of uh, organize our interpersonal relationships, a lot of which is taking place inside the head. But so what I wanted to do was kind of go outside of the head and kind of into the body because new research shows that intelligence goes beyond just the brain. I reference uh, the Institute of Heart Math that's done extraordinary work of drawing the connection between the heart and the brain and what that means for us in our lives and how kind of the emotional dimensions can guide our lives. What's this heart math? I think it was around 1991. It was first published in a peer-reviewed journal that the heart actually has a brain of its own. Uh, It has about 40,000 specialized nerve cells called sensory neurites. And these cells essentially think, feel, and remember independently of the cranial brain. So this is like super cutting edge, especially for in recent years. And little by little, this information, this news is kind of becoming widespread and people are starting to awaken to this new discovery. One could speculate that this is what our ancient ancestors knew, the power of the human heart, definitely more conductive, electromagnetically conductive than the cranial brain. That that much we know. And there are tools and techniques that can be applied to essentially come back to our heart center and tap into what the heart can show. And so part of going back to your original point or question around um, nature, I kind of see this as a distinct parallel of nature or nature's intelligence, I would like to call it, and the heart's intelligence. There's this sort of, deep reservoir of intelligence uh, within our heart's knowing, um, 
some would I'm sure refer to it as intuition, which is perfectly fine. I use that all the time. Um, but it's kind of deeper than that. When you have a feeling about something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, how about heartbreak? I mean, your heart does break. For sure. When you go through an emotional, highly emotional struggle, breakup, right? Is that where that comes from? Exactly. Um, and I think its impact is far greater than we would even uh, be led to believe. Um, there was a study that was done where um, I think it was it was a couple, a married couple, and they had a they signed on to wear a heart monitor for a week. And in the course of that week, uh, the couple had an argument, and you could see it on the on the chart, the spike in energy um, that coincided with the argument. And by the time the argument was done, which was like 20 minutes or something like that, it didn't go back to baseline. The, on the graph, it showed that it was still like, it was as if the argument wasn't actually over inside of their, uh, uh, their body. Um, the organ of the heart was actually telling them that something was still left unresolved. That's huge. When we have interpersonal conflict, um, that stuff matters. Even stuff that goes unsaid, all that stuff matters. There's this unresolved hurt that we have as a society that I see, again, going back to the parallels of autism spectrum disorder. This is where I really started to become fascinated with this, this sort of nonverbal uh, connection. In a manner of speaking, we all have autism to some degree, based on the parallels of what our uh, biology is actually revealing to us. Very interesting, Chris. Thank you. Marie Holliday is a clinical addiction specialist in North Carolina who was the picture of success. No one knew she was in a state of financial destruction after her 20-year marriage ended in divorce, but she didn't fall. She moved forward and tells us how in her book, Awake Financial Freedom. You know how it is. You, know, you got to start over, you know. So I was living in financial destruction from 2007 to 2012. And to be honest with you, I had a spiritual awakening. You know, I was drowning in a sea of debt, you know, foreclosure, credit cards. Uh, the car note at the time, I believe, was five months in the rears, a child in high school. And after that spiritual uh, awakening in 2012, God gave me the skills to master my money, to control my money and to rise above my financial situation and to be in the position where literally next year I would not have to work another day in my life. No one could have told me that I'll be having this conversation today. Really? It was a spiritual awakening that got you out of this? Didn't you have to get some kind of education? I mean, how'd you know what to do? God literally gave me the skills to control my money, to dig myself out of that debt. The first thing I did was wrote all my bills down on paper and came up with a strategic plan. Some of the bills I just let go in foreclosure. You know, I let the house in Atlanta going to foreclosure because I was still trying to maintain the bills in Atlanta, maintain the bills in Raleigh, North Carolina. And then uh, I got a little part-time job on the weekend. And then I just, you know, got the car, literally paid it off a year early. And, and then just start focusing on the immediate stuff. And then I started pumping extra money into my um, retirement, diversifying my portfolio. 
I literally ended up paying off my mortgage in Raleigh, North Carolina, 20 years early when I just put my faith into God and surrendered to God. And my book is a testimony. And I can remember in 2012 where I was asleep for 24 hours, I could not get out of that bed. And I literally just heard God telling me, put your faith in me and get you out of the way. You live your life completely differently now. No credit cards? I no credit card debt in years. Um, you know, keep money in my emergency savings account. You know, my retirement is looking phenomenal. It's just amazing. You know, I learned none of this in college, none of this from anyone, just by just having faith in God and start writing everything down in, in everything that I wrote down, I followed through on. Because at one point I had so many credit cards, I couldn't even think straight. And with my part-time job on the weekend, what I began to do was just start writing everything down, you know, just everything that I went through and in all of the bills. And I just start writing and writing and writing and writing. And I looked up one day, that's how I wrote my book. I just start writing a whole lot of stuff down on the weekend. And then I pulled the manuscript together, submitted it. And, and here we go. Wow. Really, the minute my manuscript got uh, accepted over a year ago, what I started doing was promoting my book on my uh, YouTube channel, Facebook, and I went out and got business cards made. And I literally just started in my zip code, meeting people face to face and passing out my business card for my book, telling people about my book. I started doing that over a year ago. And how'd that work out for you? Uh, I'm looking at a lot of my reviews on Amazon. My reviews are good. You know, people who I run across in the zip code, they're telling me, they read that book and it was just mind blowing. You know, it was phenomenal. They learned a lot from it. They couldn't believe it because several of my people or friends who knew me as an addiction expert, when they read that book, they could not believe that I was living in financial disruption. Wow. Nobody knew. No one knew. Not even my some of my family members who had read that book and gave me feedback on it. Wow, that's good. You you should be so proud of yourself. You know, I'm still like in shock because looking back on that, nobody, I mean, I'm so proud of myself because it showed my vulnerability by writing that book. I mean, I'm sure a lot of women can relate to you. That's right. I, I know women who have lost their husbands and did not know what to do, didn't even know what investments they had or what debt they had. That's right. It's almost like that divorce took me to a different part of me in terms of reinventing myself, learning about investments. And, you know, because I was like in my early 40s, starting over. And here I am, 58 years old and about ready to retire with multiple retirement accounts. And I'm not going to have to literally work for the rest of my life. Key thing is I'm going into retirement with zero debt. You know, I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to buy a trailer, pay for it in cash and reinvest the rest of that money. I'm so proud of you. You go, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. F. Leland Scott self-published two comic books. Now he's published Santa versus My Dad, an idea that came to him just in time for the pandemic shutdown. You know, I'm just building a resume, and I, I thought of the idea right on that cusp of the shutdown. And what happened was I came up with the idea and I like to write. So I was just sitting there writing, making myself laugh. And then thinking of um, some old story I told my daughter when she was young and uh, just kind of went with that 
basic whatever and came up with it and i was like i should illustrate this and do something with it so i did and kind of shopped it around to some professionals i know and liked it so i just figured i'd open up with that as something as an actual project wow okay so how how does the uh how does the story go well without giving up too much the basics of it is when my daughter came home from uh, kindergarten one time, she told me that somebody told her Santa wasn't real. And I thought, you know, six years old was a little too early to be a jaded child. So I said, oh, he, he probably just doesn't think Santa's real because, you know, if, if uh, you're not good, you get put on the naughty list and we have to buy presents from Santa. You know, and he doesn't just give them to you anymore. And so I, I went with that and I started thinking like, you know, nowadays, you know, you get savings points and rewards and all this other stuff. And I was like, <laughs> like, Hey man, this is kind of funny, man. Like I'm going to run with it. So I did. And I just met, built a story around that idea. Um, the daughter, I have, I have a daughter in there and uh, he's got the, the narrative is he's kind of explaining to his daughter or his child how everything kind of works in the North Pole nowadays and why you got to try and be good. So it's Santa versus my dad. I'm bad. He's got to buy the presents. He's got to look for rewards. Well, he's put on the naughty list was the idea, you know, like, and that's something, you know, yeah, every dad can probably relate to, you know, <laughs> like you're going to go on the naughty list. You got a bad attitude, buddy. <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> Well, you got to read the book. That's the gist of it. So how are you telling people about this? Doing as much as possible, you know, just promoting, promoting, promoting. Um, uh, I'm starting a little tour for Comic-Cons and stuff like that. Do all the networking and that. I mean, there's work behind it. And uh, that's what the next plan of everything is, you know. So I actually uh, worked with a friend of mine um, at Binky Studio, James Canfield. He was a... a pretty prominent artist in Spearfish, but he was known, you know, he, he, he'd been around the block from LA, grew up in Detroit, and, you know, he's just been around and, and I just kind of uh, went with him on a lot of stuff uh, art wise. He was a really great artist, but uh, he passed this past um, July, he passed away. And we, uh, thankfully, I, I uh, actually dedicated the book to him because he, he was the first person I showed it to and to get some professional advice from. And he really was like, he was the one really pushing, like, you, you should do something with this. You should do something with this. So I actually dedicated the book to him and he actually got to see the finished product and everything before any of that happened. So um, I'm just uh, really out promoting what's new now that he's, you know, gone and, uh, and then trying to, uh, keep that spirit alive because he was really he, he was a he was pretty ride or die fella the stuff I'm, I'm really promote is actually me actually going out and like getting into events and things like that and meeting people and i mean that's the way to do it yeah it's it's more fun too to pound the pavement and really get to know people and you know that's really the only way i because I, I have uh the i have this book and the comic book currently in a few stores here in uh, the South Dakota area uh, just 
kind of pounding the pavement and talking to people, but I really have sold more copies by just face-to-face talking to people and, and just networking like that. It's, it's, and it's more fun to meet people. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. Good luck. A retired computer professor, mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother, Jackie Scott Wall, started her dream career of writing in 2015. She has written three self-help books, and today we're talking about her latest, A Happy Kid is Not a Bully, a guilt-free parenting plan for your great legacy. Now, this is something you know about firsthand, don't you? 19 years experience with one of my granddaughters. She is Down syndrome. And I've been on cruises just to learn about her and how to help her because of the bullying. You know, we have, we've gone to restaurants where the parents are staring at her like they're one of the kids in the playground. That's the worst to me. Kids understand, but the parents aren't teaching them. I understand to a point, but for parents to do this. So we stand in front of her. And some of us, um, like her older sister, she said, Grandma, I just, it's a wonder I haven't go, gone to jail because it hurts me so bad and I'm ready to jump on these people. I can't even, I can't even fathom that. What do you do? Do you say something? No, we don't say anything. We get in front of her. We have to shield her so she doesn't see it. She, she's so smart. She sees it and uh, like she'll be bubbly at the table and she'll, uh, this is at a restaurant. She'll see it immediately and immediately go into a depression. Um, but uh, what I do is I try to I try to reach parents in the nicest way that um, I can to explain how critical it is to talk to the children um, about bullying um, other kids, about what's happening to them and happening to us. We've all been bullied in some way in our lives. Um, what I do is everything is about experience. So I give examples. I talk about different approaches to uh, approach your kids with such a sensitive subject. Try to focus on teaching the parents compassion. What I do is I give parents signs that might be bullying. So on page 23, A bully seeks to harm or intimidate those whom they perceive as vulnerable. Bullies deliberately inflict pain on their prey while being fragile and sensitive themselves. So a bully is reaching out. They're crying for help is what it is. Help me be a better person. Help me, I'm having pain inside, so I'm taking it out on someone else. If if you're wondering, if your kid is one, um, th- uh, what is your kid doing? Is he intimidating others? Is he um, just every day or or frequently, he's constantly in trouble for hurting people? Um, uh, and then the teacher will explain, well, this happened because Johnny was um, up, sometimes he's frequently upset about things, you know, and then he'll take it out on other people. Watch watch uh, super aggressive behavior, you know, uh, watch the behaviors and keep a log on it. Research it, keep a log and study that log in the behavior. A lot of parents that I have crossed paths with, they say a lot of, if I could have, would have, should have stuff. You know, if I wish I had been doing this, like their kids turn to crime 
And so what I want the parents, instead of having that guilt about what they didn't do for their children when they were raising them, to be able to sleep nights and to feel like they did, I, you know, I did the best job I could. I use all, I use all kinds of examples of, of bullying for, for all people. I use me, I use my granddaughter on uh, jobs, on, uh, I try to use every walk of life. All right, Jackie, thank you. Courtney Ray Mitchell is the Carolina cuckoo, but there's nothing cuckoo about him. That was the name of his first book, and he's already out with another one, Poems of the Carolina Cuckoo. Refresh our memories, will you, about the first book? Well, the Carolina Cuckoo was about my uh, mental health issues and um, also uh, the time I spent in prison. For? Threatening a witness. What, what made you write Poems of the Carolina Cuckoo? I'm a storyteller. And the poems that I write tell, tell stories of uh, something of faith or um, just kind of identifying a person or a place. But they're, all, they're all about stories. The first poem there is about my mother. She was fired for being pregnant with me. And she, she started a lawsuit and won. And now teachers in the state of South Carolina can have maternity leave thanks to her work so I, I i tell that story in a poem and uh, i tell some other things they, they all have a theme but they go and uh, tell different stories that's the bottom line to it is there one you'd like to share with us sure shortest one is, that i have is the hunter and and actually i put it on the amazon site so you can hear me read it out on the amazon site here we go Um, This is the hunter. As the hunter stalks his prey, the hunter's hair turns gray. The sun this day has reclined toward the shade. The hunter hears the whispers of fun. His life ends as the setting of the sun. The prey this day has won, but it will face one day the hunter's son. It's a um, progression of when uh, uh, someone enters into something that they enjoy like hunting and um they uh, some point will stop you know and here in the south it's a big thing that you you take your uh, children hunting and fishing and so uh, that tells a story that the sun hopefully the sun will also take up the sport as well so that's the story of that are you in a position to to go out and read your poetry anywhere I am. I am. We want to, um, uh, matter of fact, I would like to um, see if Barnes & Noble will um, allow me to do that. I'm all about putting it on uh, line as well, let, let people hear on Facebook or whatever, um, and YouTube, maybe me reading a poem. So your poems cover everything? They do. My favorite actually is The Trailblazing Mother which is about my mom and what she did. It's, that's absolutely my favorite one. But now what do you do? Like, do you have a bunch of poetry stockpiled or is this stuff that's written new or did you have it laying around? It, it took a, it was a compile of several years from my high school days to uh, current. And this is probably the one and only shot for me on poetry. I, I, I'm uh, moving on, I think, to uh, more um, historical novels and, and things of that nature right now. So I have a liberal arts um, background in my college degree in you know, research and so forth. Uh, I, I'm 
graduated with an interdisciplinary um, degree, which was history, political science, and then criminal justice. So, and I minored in English. So that that background that really helps me to. Um, Right. Nice, Courtney. Well, great show, everybody. Thanks for being here. Download the Page Publishing Book Club podcast at 710WOR.com. I'm Atlas Stockton Rossini. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.